Tune in every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock right here on KPIR 1420 AM for an hour that can change your life. Join us from 10 to 11 a.m. for a wonderful time of inspiring music as well as an encouraging Bible message from the Ministry of Generations Church. Be encouraged and blessed by hearing God's Word with practical principles that you can apply in your life every day. That's 10 to 11 a.m. Sundays right here on 1420 a.m. Welcome to Worship in the Word with Generations Church of Granbury. You are invited to stay tuned for the next 59 minutes to enjoy some inspiring music from one of Hood County's wonderful congregations as well as an encouraging message from the Bible. The songs you are about to enjoy are from the Generations Church worship team led by Pastor Shake Anderson with the Gen Praise Band and on special occasions some great guest musicians. Later on in the broadcast, you may hear a proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, along with some teaching from the Bible with Pastor Alan Ladder or another generation's church leader or special guest. So without any further delay, welcome to Worship in the Word with Generations Church.
You are listening to Worship and the Word with Generations Church of Granbury. Stay tuned for more inspiring music and a message from the Bible. Worship has content to it. And so right now, simultaneously, I'd like for us all to worship him by raising our hands and expressing things about him that are worthy of worship. Uh, maybe run through the alphabet. Lord, you are awesome. Let's just do it. Lord, you are awesome. Just in your own words. Lord, you are awesome. Lord, you are beautiful, Lord. 
Lord, you are wonderful, Lord. You're so cleansing, Lord. You're so divine. You're so eternal. You're so faithful. You're so good. You're so holy, Lord. You're so infinite. We worship you for the joy that you give. You're our King, Lord. You are the God who is love. Hallelujah. You're our Messiah. You're Jehovah Nisi. You're our banner, Lord. You're omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, Lord. Oh, Lord, you're so pure. You're so pure. You're quick and alive. You're real and you're righteous. You're our salvation. You're the all-sufficient one. Lord, you're tremendous and we can trust in you, Lord. We can trust in you. Lord, you're ultimate God. You're victorious. You're wonderful. You're excellent. We yield to you, Lord. We are zealous for you, Lord. We worship you today, Lord. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship your holy name. I worship your and welcome to Generations Church. Coming up this Friday is our first Friday's worship night at 7 p.m. Let's honor the Lord this year by making His praises glorious on the first Friday of each month, continuing this week at 7 p.m. on Friday, March the 1st. Come and enjoy the Lord's presence with our praise team and other musical guests. Research has shown that 82% of the unchurched are somewhat likely to attend church if they were to receive an invitation, but 70% of them have never had one extended to them. Let's try to change that by extending some friendly invitations this week everywhere we go, especially on Saturday morning from 10 to noon, and afterwards we'll have a delicious lunch together. Come join several of our leaders as we go door-to-door each Saturday morning this month in key neighborhoods to invite those neighbors and our community who do not have a church home to be our guest here at Generations. And those are just a few of the many great things that are coming up at Generations. To get more information about everything going on, Visit generationspeople.org and by liking our Facebook page. My name is Jennifer, and I'll see you next time. You are listening to Worship and the Word with Generations Church of Granbury.
What you've seen is a world-famous, award-winning musician named Joshua Bell, who two nights before this event that happened at a subway station in Washington, D.C., he played to a packed-out house in Boston where the tickets went as high as $100 a person. He was playing a violin worth $3.5 million, and nobody took the time to realize that they were in the midst of greatness. Does that sound familiar? Many times we get too busy and don't recognize the greatness in one another, and especially in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to John chapter 1. In the NIV it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Can we say with God? And the Word was God. Can we say was God? He was with God in the beginning. Can we say in the beginning? Can we say pre-existence? Through Him all things were made. Can we say Creator? Without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. This is talking about Jesus. He did not come. Now this is going to throw a curve to you. You're going to think, what? He did not come to make you ethical. He came to make you alive. And the life that he gives leads you to becoming an ethical person. You can be ethical and be dead, spiritually dead. But when we're made spiritually alive, the things of God turn us on. We get excited about them. It opens our eyes. This life is like light. Before we receive this life, it's as though we were dead. The Bible calls it being spiritually dead. It's as though we are blind. The Bible calls it being spiritually blind. When I was a boy, we had a guest in our home who was blind. You could turn lights on in the room. He didn't know it. We'd go to the bathroom. We'd tell him where the light switch was. He didn't need it. He had to memorize where things were everywhere he went couldn't see. And before we knew Jesus, we were blind. We think we know we see. Jesus is the light of the world. In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. We saw a great illustration by watching that incredible violin solo, world-famous musician, Three and a half million dollar violin. Some of the most intricate music known to man. People didn't stop. Just whizzing by him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Can we say adoption? Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, 
but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Can we say gracious and truthful? John testified concerning Him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Can you say pre-existent? Then in the natural, these guys were cousins, Jesus and John, and John was six months older than Jesus. Six months older than the Word made flesh, but not six months older than the Word. The Word of God has always been. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Moses gave over 600 laws, the first five books of the Bible. He is honored as being responsible for those books. God gave him 600 laws to live by, built around 10 commandments, which hang on two great commandments that Jesus emphasized, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. The law that Moses gave proves that we're sinners, proves that we need a Savior. Gives us a definition of right and wrong, but it does not save us. Cannot save us. Just like a thermometer cannot bring down your fever. It can only reveal a problem. But Jesus came to bring the solution. He is the solution. Are you glad about it? No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Let's pray. Lord, we ask for you to speak to us today from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are, the Lord willing, this year, preaching through the book of John. If we can ever get through chapter 1, I believe we can sail. Chapter 1 is awesome. This is my third attempt to get through chapter 1. We're entitling the series, Jesus Is, A Journey Through John's Gospel. Um, my best friend. He's basically just our creator. I don't really know who Jesus is. Um, that son that came on the earth and died for our sins. Uh, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> the Savior of the world. <laughs> He's a man, and he helps people. He is an awesome God in person. Jesus is my friend and my Savior. Uh, God or something? One hundred percent God, one hundred percent human. A kid that I can always be like with and stuff. He makes miracles in my life. He healed people. I think that Jesus is like um I don't know. Our first week we took on the subject Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. 
Last Sunday, we took on the subject, Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So that first Sunday, we kind of tackled Jesus being God. And last Sunday, we attempted to communicate Jesus being with God. He is God, and yet he is, he is God. God is one, oneness, and yet Jesus is with God, withness. Can we say oneness and withness? How do you reconcile these two paradoxes that seem to contradict each other? It's by embracing the scriptural view of God, which I believe is a triune view of God. Christianity is monotheistic, and yet there's three views of God, three ways that God communicates to us. Father, Son, and Spirit. There is God, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Can we treat that as though it's three lines from left to right? Can we say, read it together? God the Father, God the Word, God the Holy Spirit. Now, the Father can also be called the Father of Jesus Christ. The Word can also be called the Word made flesh or the Son of God. The Holy Spirit can also be called the Holy Spirit of God or even the Spirit of Christ. And you come full circle when you realize who all of these revelations of God are that we understand Him to be. The Father is the Father of the Son. The Son sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary when she conceived in her womb. One God, but three. His voice like this in 1 John 5, 7. There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. How can three ones be one? Simple mathematics. One times one times one equals. Jesus is the Word. We spoke on last week. He has always been eternal. And that word was made flesh. So today we're going to talk about Jesus is God's son. His word made flesh. Our text I really want to draw from today is verse 18. John wrote, no one has seen God at any time. Can we say invisible? The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. The only begotten Son who's in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. The contemporary English version reads like this, No one has ever seen God. The only Son who is truly God and is closest to the Father has shown us what God is like. We know what God is like because Jesus showed us. The Jewish Bible says no one has ever seen God, but the one and only unique Son who is identical with God and is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. I have a grandson that looks kind of like me. Till his hair starts to grow, then I won't be able to say that anymore. We know what the Father is like because of the Son. Not because the Son looks like Him. The Father is invisible. But because the Son represents Him, to man. God became man and lived a perfect life amongst us, declaring his Father's will. My hope today 
is that we leave here with more understanding than we came with. Who is Jesus? Some believe he was a wise teacher, but not the Son of God. Some believe he was a prophet, but not the Son of God. Some say it's not important what you believe, just that you believe something. What did those who knew him say? An evangelist named Philip met a man from Ethiopia, the first Gentile convert. A, uh, no doubt he was a proselyte, a eunuch from the queen's court of Ethiopia, who after hearing the gospel, wanted to be baptized, said, here's water. Can I be baptized? Philip said, only if you believe with all your heart. He said, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. What is the big deal about believing that Jesus is the Son of God? We're going to look at a few things of what being God's Son means and what it means to us. Being God's Son means that God's Word became flesh. It means that his mother Mary was a virgin. It means his birth was miraculous. It means he was the arm of God extended to save mankind from man's problem. Because man was separated from God by sin. We can see it even in our relationships. Sin separates us from one another. But thank God for reconciliation. Are you glad about it? Anybody who's been married for any time at all has experienced reconciliation in your life. You, who's thankful for a forgiving spouse? What an expression of God's love. God forgaves us, not by overlooking our sin, but by remedying our sin, by sending His Son, who in His perfection would come against man's sinfulness and humanity. I don't care what era He would have lived in. He would have eventually been killed. It happens to righteous people all the time. People that will not shut up speaking the truth. Somebody's going to try to put a stop to them sometimes in history. And definitely the Son of God. And God allowed it to happen as a demonstration of His love. And I'm getting ahead of myself. Jesus is God's Son. We're going to share about a half a dozen things what the Son of God is. The Son of God is the image of the invisible God. Colossians 1.15 says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He did not just come into existence in Bethlehem. He preexisted everything. And yet he was born in Bethlehem. What, a, what an amazing thing. The word was made flesh. The son is the expression of God's fullness. Colossians 2.9 and 10 says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And we are complete in Him. He comes to make us full. But first, He came and lived a perfect life, expressing the fullness of God in His body. 
The Son of God is God manifested in the flesh. Can we say manifested? 1 Timothy 3.16 says, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. This is Jesus. Justified in the Spirit. Seen by angels. Preached among the Gentiles. Any Gentiles in the house today? This is the Son of God. Believed on in the world. Received up in glory. And one day, He's coming back. You see, God became a man and He continues to be a man. And as a man, He has empathy for you and I. He was already a merciful God. But now he's more than merciful. He can be easily touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's our high priest. He was our sacrifice, but now he's our high priest to whom we can go to for strength and help in the time of need. Son of God is also the Son of Man representing us. Just as the first Adam screwed things up for us, the last Adam, Jesus, the Son of God, made things right for us. Sin has been paid for. Atonement has been made. The Son is the only, can we say only, only access to the Father. Now this is repulsive to the world. It seems narrow-minded. It seems arrogant. It seems prideful. But look at what he said. In John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, can we say no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Many times you'll see a believer on a, a well-known believer maybe on a talk show and Larry King or whoever the interviewer is will bring this up. How come everybody's not going to heaven? How come you Christians think you have the only thing going? How prideful, how arrogant, how closed-minded, how uneducated, how ignorant can you be? The point of mocking. But our Lord said it. He's the only way. It's not prideful if it's true. The best way to Benbrook is Highway 377. If you're going to go in your car, it's really the only way, the only legal way to make it all the way to Benbrook. 20 miles to Interstate 20 from this building. 377 is the only way. Now, is that prideful? No, it's true. Oh, but I want to explore other alternative forms of transportation. Well, get yourself a helicopter and go for it. But if you're going to go in an automobile... That's it. It's the truth. He says, I'm the only way to the Father except through me. Now, let me say this. There's plenty of believers in the world. I'll make everybody mad today. There's plenty of believers in the world that believe they've got their eternal life secure in Christ. And I believe we do have it secure in Christ. But we're called not just to go to heaven. We're called to a relationship. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Father sent His Son to make the way for us to have a relationship with Him now. Not just pie in the sky when we die, 
but got on the ground while we're still around. It's true. So maybe we would be more effective in our witness rather than telling people, you're not going to heaven unless you repeat this prayer after me. It's kind of like trying to talk somebody into marrying a stranger that's invisible. Come on, just, just say, I do. Say, I do. You'll like her. She's good. Got her out in the car. Rushing people. I mean, there's churches that just rush people to a repeat after me prayer and then count it up like notches on the gun. Look how many we got saved today. They didn't get saved. They just repeated what you said to get you off their neck. I think we'd be more effective to tell people there's a God that loves you, that wants a relationship with you, and Jesus is the way. Call on his name. Eternalize part of the package. Many times we shoot to the bottom line all the time. There's a journey in this thing. Move people closer to the Lord. Amen. All right, that's my soapbox. The Son is the Father's visible representation. You want to know what the Father's like? Look to the Son. He showed us. John 14, he went on to say, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Do I understand it all? No. But I've tasted the benefits of it and I've received it. Amen. I love good cream brulee. Some people love fried pickles and everywhere they go, they sample them. Everywhere I go, if they got cream brulee, I sample it. And thus far, I think the best in the world, not that I've had it all over the world. Those that have been to Paris probably have me beat here. But in my experience, Agave Grill in Stephenville, the best around, awesome. I don't know what they do to make it good. I don't understand how to make cream brulee. I don't know all the ingredients that go into it. And I don't know why there's a superior to others that I've tasted. I don't know why. But I've tasted the benefits of it, and I receive it, and I love it, and I enjoy it, and, of course, it shows. I don't understand all this, but I believe it, and I accept it. I grew up in a church that claimed to understand all this. They tried to remove all the mystery from the Godhead. And yet, when you get him in a the corner, they say, you just have to have the revelation. Just got to have a revelation. They themselves don't understand it. It's just, you come to a place of surrender. God, you are God, and I'm not. Save me. I need some help. The Son is, this is, we're wrapping things up today. The Son is the demonstration of God's love. The gospel is, God so loved the world, he gave his Son. The ultimate gift. Romans 5, verse 8 says, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, not that we're so good even now, but when we were worse, less good than we are now, 
God demonstrated his love toward us by Christ dying for us. That's a demonstration of his love. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, now that we are justified, look what else we have. We shall be saved from wrath through him. He's alive, and he's coming back to judge the world one day. But he died for your sins, and he's coming back to save you from the wrath that is coming. Be glad about it. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Thank God for the death of his son, and thank God he arose from the dead. The ramifications of the resurrection blow my mind. He's alive as my high priest. He's alive as my God. He's alive as my resurrected lamb. He's alive as a baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He's alive as a light and savior of the world. He is alive as my representation in heaven. He's alive as my lawyer. Hallelujah. Jesus is alive. A Pharisee named Nicodemus went to see him at night. A Pharisee. The Pharisees took the law of Moses and added a book to it called the Mishnah, which was their interpretation of the law of Moses. They added to the requirements of the law. You're supposed to rest on the Sabbath. They added to it by giving commandments for obeying the Sabbath. You could only walk so far. You couldn't, even to this day, those that observe the Mishnah can't even turn on a light switch. So they'll pay Gentiles to come in their house, turn light switches on, or they'll have some mechanical device program that turns their lights on at the Sabbath because that would be doing work. They took something about rest and made it just a whole lot of complications. To the Mishnah was added the Talmud which was more oral requirements of obeying the law. And so they had all this tradition. They, they were attempting to live perfect. And he came to Jesus at night and said, I know that no one can do the miracles you do unless God is with him. Jesus repels his religious compliment and basically reveals the bankruptcy of his religion. He says, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And in explanation to how to be born again, Nicodemus continued asking questions. He gave this promise. You see it at football games. You see it at sporting events. People have it on their T-shirts. They tattoo it on their forehead. They hold up signs. But it is a message for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. It's believing in Jesus to the point of calling on His name. The Word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. The Word of faith which we preach, which is the name of Jesus. Bow our heads. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that has not received the benefits of you being God's son and giving yourself as a demonstration of God's love for us, Lord, I pray that you'd reveal yourself to each person here. Send them dreams. Give them understanding. Turn the lights on. Make them alive to the love that you have for them. Jesus' name.
thank you, Lord, for the perfect offering that you gave for us on the cross 20 centuries ago. We believe that Jesus not only died for our sins, but he arose from the dead, leaving behind an empty tomb, a short walk from which the church was born. And people who saw him died because they wouldn't deny what they saw. They wouldn't be quiet about it. They proclaimed the resurrection. The people who tried to destroy Jesus took extra measures to make sure that a false resurrection couldn't take place. And in so doing, their resistance actually gives integrity to the testimony of the resurrection. The Roman Empire, after three centuries of trying to wipe out the resurrection story, embraced it. History has been forever marked. We live in the year 2013 because of the resurrection. You have a choice today. Do you believe it? Oh, but I want to understand it. Do you understand everything? Do you have a car with any technology in it at all? Do you understand all that technology before you enjoy the benefits of it? No. Just by faith, you turn the key, you put in the gas, and you go about your day and you enjoy it. If you have a cell phone, do you understand everything about it before you use it? No. I don't know how it all works, but I enjoy the benefits of it. The benefits are yours to receive by faith. You are listening to Worship and the Word with Generations Church of Granbury. Yeah. 
keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Almighty lift up his countenance upon you and give you his amazing peace that surpasses understanding. I came back again to that secret place. Thank you for tuning in today for Worship and the Word with Generations Church. You may hear our radio broadcast again at the same time and station next week. If you do not have a church congregation to call home and you live near the Granbury area, we would love to invite you to come check us out some Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Our meeting facilities are located at 5718 East Highway 377 on the Fort Worth side of Granbury. And our website is at generationschurch.org.
Thanks again for tuning in to Worship in the Word. You may hear our next hour-long broadcast at the same time and station next week. Brought to you by Generations Church, located at 5718 East Highway 377 in Granbury. Listen every Sunday morning at 10 right here on 1420 AM.